Welcome to the Spectrum of Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Jolene Brighton. Dr. Jolene Brighton talks about post-birth control syndrome. I think this is a really important and fascinating topic, and she is such a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. Dr. Brighton is a functional medicine naturopathic doctor and the founder of Rubus Health, a women's medicine clinic that specializes in women's hormones. She's recognized as a leading expert in post-birth control syndrome and the long-term side effects associated with hormonal contraceptives. Dr. Brighton is the best-selling author, speaker, and regular contributor to several online publications, including Mind Body Green. She's a medical advisor for one of the first data-driven apps to offer women personalized birth control recommendations. So please sit back and I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Dr. Brighton. Welcome, Dr. Brighton. I'm so excited for you to uh, be on the podcast today. Hey there. I'm super excited to be here today. Um, I know we always get to chatting for a long time, so I know this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, you're, you've become a friend over the years. We met at a conference about two years ago, and Jolene and I, being both naturopathic doctors, we can relate not only being business owners, but also, you know, the joys of being a naturopathic doctor and really how to um, get our message and um, you know, how can we make an impact not only on our profession, um, but also our patients. So we've um, had lots of lively conversations getting to know each other. And I am so excited about this topic because a lot of my audience um, is women. And, you know, we are, um, you know, definitely as women, how can you ignore this whole hormonal aspect of our lives? And so you have really become a leading expert and post-birth control syndrome. So we're going to really dive deep into that conversation today. And, you know, many um, people, if this is the first time um, hearing you, I'd love for people to really understand, like, how did you become passionate about not only naturopathic medicine, but how did your journey really lead you to um, becoming an expert in post-birth control syndrome? Yeah. Well, you know, what's really funny about it all is I, I, I never thought I was going to go into women's medicine. So I, so let me back up and say, like, as a kid, I was a super, super big nerd. Um, so <laughs> I loved, I mean, you give me like, uh, you know, a medical textbook or, you know, an herb book, anything like that, that was about, you know, how do you, how do you actually understand what the body's saying and how do you work with the body on all of that? Um, and I was so into it. And part of that was because as a child, I actually, I struggled with, um, chronic gastritis. So, um, I developed, you know, I, I was I think I was in fifth grade. I was having wicked heartburn. Um, people thought I had an eating disorder because I would vomit often after eating. Um, I had all of these gut symptoms going on and no one could really figure it out. And so, you know, as a kid, I, I, I took to like, okay, what, what kind of herbs can I use? And, you know, what kinds of foods and started piecing some of these things together. And, you know, fast forward, it was about a decade later. Um, and so in this time, medicine discovered H. pylori. And so yay discovery, because it turns out that's what I had. And I had H. pylori. I also had a really, really stressful childhood. And I bring that in because I'm a terrific gal. And I'm like, yeah, I could have had H. pylori and handled it and been just fine. But like my childhood was super stressful as well. And so, you know, what happened for me in that time was that my, my doctors just gave me, you know, you know, the conventional route for treating H. pylori. It's a month of antibiotics. And, um, and then I had an allergic reaction to amoxicillin and found myself then after that taking more pills than my parents, like my friend's grandparents. So I was like 17 <laughs> and I'm taking all these fistfuls of pills at like every meal. And my doctor's like, you're just going to have to be on a PPI for the rest of your life, which um, I'm very stubborn in that way. And good luck trying to tell like a kid, like, oh, you're going to have to take this medication every day. And that's where I really dove into food as medicine and started figuring out things myself. And, you know, I was even tracking data then of like, okay, which, which foods interact with me and which ones, you know, which ones can I tolerate? And that propelled me to go into nutrition. And when I went into nutrition, again, super big nerd, I was studying both clinical nutrition and nutrition science, or what's called nutritional biochemistry. And so um, I really wanted to understand, you know, what, how could you leverage food clinically? And at the same time, like what is going on with those biochemical pathways? Um, uh, you know, long story short, I was actually going to get my PhD um, in nutrition science and then found naturopathic medicine. And it was a moment where everything 
everything clicked. I was doing uh, research, uh, doing a lot of like, you know, research in terms of how we can manipulate the food supply, how we we in science could do better than the body, than nature, and and all of that jazz that we, we know, you and I know, uh, nature always wins, and nature is a lot more wise than than humans are. Sorry, humans. <laughs> um, but you know, with that, I, when I found, went to naturopathic school, I was like, I am gonna be. I'm in the specializing gut health. Like, I am gonna be the gut gal. And it really was through that that I came to start. To, I started observing and witnessing what happened in women's medicine. And that was that a lot of things are done to women. And so, you know, I have a really unique uh, training in that I actually did, uh, you know, I I did all of my clinical rotations and hours needed to observe naturopathic doctors, but I actually did even more with uh, conventional medical doctors and osteopathic doctors. And, you know, I started to just see that like, you know, throughout medicine, we're always just doing stuff to the woman instead of working with her. And even, you know, the biggest thing was the pap of like, you know, slide down. We all love it when a doctor pats our butt or our thighs, <laughs> like slide to the edge of the table and like, and then tosses you a tissue at the end and says, clean yourself up. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm, I can't believe I put up with that <laughs> as a woman. But when I was seeing it as a doctor, I'm like, something's just not right. And the other piece I witnessed was that women were dismissed. They weren't heard. And, you know, they were sitting there saying, this is true for me. This is my experience. But it was like, no, 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 no. This is what the research says. No, 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 no. This is what my, you know, continuing medical education taught me. And I just saw a lot of things that didn't sit right with me. Now, in all this time while I was in medical school, I decided to transition off the birth control pill. So we should start this whole conversation. I really should have started with like, hey, ladies, I'm not hating on the pill or hormonal contraceptives. I did it for a decade. And because of it, I'm a first generation college student and I became a doctor. So I totally recognize how that was instrumental in, you know, my ability to be like to be the woman I am today. But, you know, in medical school, I came off the pill. And for the first time in my life, I didn't have a period. And I was a gal that when my period started at 14, albeit it was heavy and painful and a nightmare and I dreaded it. And I was like, the pill is my savior when I got on it because, you know, not bleeding for more than seven days and being able to actually walk during your period, like that's that's like a real big bonus there. (laughs) But, you know, I had always been like clockwork every 28 days and every woman in my family is that way. That's why they all have kids before like age 20. Um, But, you know, when I came off the pill, it went missing. And then uh, the next thing that happened is for the first time in my life, I had cystic acne. And, you know, I, you know, you know, in naturopathic medical school and in uh, all medical schools, post-birth control syndrome is not taught. It is not part of our curriculum. And so in that time, I was going to doctors, which conventional doctors went to naturopathic doctors was like, Hey, what is going on here? And everyone's like, don't worry about it. Your period will come back. And you know, a lot of those doctors also had the story, Hey, and if it doesn't, you just get back on the pill and you'll have a period again. And that also didn't sit right with me. And so, you know, I bridged what I was learning in naturopathic school with my background as a nutritional biochemist, right? Cause I love those biochemical pathways to bring all of that together and really understand, okay, what can I do to get my period back to, you know, normalize my hormones to make that cystic acne go away. At this time, I worked my way through medical school as a group fitness instructor. And, um, man, you can't wear makeup when you're teaching group fitness and cover up like big cystic acne. Uh, Oh God. And the back knee. Oh, and having to stand in front of, I mean, sometimes I'd be launching a program to hundreds of people. And I would just be so subconscious that they were just staring at my face the whole time. So I I just want to say for women that experience post birth control syndrome, like girl, I know, I know for sure how awful that can be. So, you know, that was my experience. And at the time I didn't name it post birth control syndrome. I didn't know what was going on. I was just like, I just need to fix my period. I need to fix my hormones. And that's what I did. But the funny thing was, is that, you know, I went into uh, my private practice. I was like, okay, I, I was very resistant to being a birth control expert in any way. Um, and I mean, you know, it's actually kind of boring to be prescribing these hormones. And so, you know, I, that's the one, one, one side of things is it's kind of hilarious how I was resistant to this. And I'm like, oh yeah, but all the long, all the while the universe was like, nope, this is your calling here. (laughs) You know, it really, it was something that I was observing in clinical practice. I was helping women who were on these hormones and it really, you know, came 
came full circle to me when one of my closest friends through college came to me, same story, clock like period, clockwork periods, always had them, like now off the pill, cystic acne, hair loss, now having like an irregular period. And she got diagnosed with PCOS, except she didn't have insulin resistance and she didn't have excess testosterone. And she was being told, and she wanted a baby and she was being told, get back on the pill and then we'll hit the IVF and then we'll just call it a day. But you know, it didn't, it was something where her voice inside was like, this is not right. And she came to me and asked me, you know, is this something you've ever seen? I'm like, you know, actually a lot, like a lot. And I've been charting it and I've been tracking this and I've been testing these protocols. And she was the first person that I was really like, I'm going to document this all the way through. Now, fast forward, she now has a baby, very healthy baby after being told there was no way she could get pregnant naturally. Um, and it was really through all of that, that I got known, you know, it was never anything I advertised, but I got known within just, you know, the community that like, Hey, this is the doctor that if you're having problems with your hormonal contraceptives, she's going to listen. She's going to help you where you're at, or she's going to help you come off of them if you need that. Because the little secret that no one ever let me in on, and most women aren't let in on, is that these side effects that develop while you're on the hormones don't just go away because you stop them. And that's part of post-birth control syndrome. So this has really been something that like for years I've been documenting. I've been, you know, I've been, oh, you can ask my husband how much time I spend on PubMed. Um, I, know, I know, you know, we have these conversations of like, yeah, I, that's like, uh, you know, oh, man, I love, I love uh, Google Scholar. And stuff. I mean, it's like, I mean, I, you know, not to date us or anything, but you know how it used to be. You couldn't just Google something. You couldn't be like, you had to go get this journal in a library. So, um, yeah, you can hear how giddy I get about <laughs> I, I've been you know, charting these protocols and, you know, just really distilling all this down over years and working with thousands of patients. And, you know, I am really excited about like what I've been able to not only discover, but what I've been able to educate other women and other providers about, about what is actually going on with these hormones. Mm -hmm. No, there's so much great information, Jolene. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, not only your personal experience, but your patients have really, um, and the universe have put you on this path. And I'm so glad um, the universe chose you since you're doing such great um, investigative, um, you know, research and really translating that into clinical practice. And so, um, why don't we break this down? I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, definitely needs to be part of this conversation is, you know, just maybe how naturopathic medicine versus conventional medicine views our menstrual cycle to begin with, right? And so, you know, when... Um, you have any signs or symptoms in your normal menstrual cycle, um, there's always a reason and there's always a way to go deeper. And often uh, conventional medicine often just says, oh, go on the pill. The pill will regulate your cycle. And then, you know, 15 years go by and, you know, people, you know, then want to think about having a child and then, you know, get into this whole, they never treated the cause is basically what I'm trying to say. So, um, so why don't you just kind of maybe um, share with us your overall overarching perspective about what is a normal menstrual cycle and, you know, where we, where we start when we're really considering what are going to be the best um, birth control options for us. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I, I want to acknowledge is that like every single doctor went to medical school because they want to help people. And I think there's this like there's this story that's getting played out of like, oh, your doctor's hating on you or your doctor doesn't want to help you or your doctor works for you. So just go in and tell them what to do. And like, you know, every doctor went to medical school because they want to help you. Now, when it comes to, I, I think, you know, my perspective is that everybody's got a seat at the table when it comes to healthcare, and it's so much better when we're collaborating. And as you alluded to, I mean, naturopathic doctors are the OG of like root cause. OG is original gangster, <laughs> by the way. Love um, it. <laughs> so, but you know, it's really that's what attracted me to naturopathy is because I was like, look, I have got a hardcore science background. Like I lived and breathed science, and I did for a second there. I made it my God for a minute. I'll even admit that. But, you know, that was something I had science down solid. But what I saw in naturopathy is that there was a respect for nature, but also the question of why. And, um, you know, my husband, 
he'll say sometimes like, you know, your like in like your need to understand the why is almost like a mental health disorder because I will become obsessed with like, I need to figure this out. It's, it's why I'm a good doctor. Cause I'm like, I have to know why. Um, and that's something that I really liked about naturopathic medicine is that, you know, instead of viewing these symptoms as an issue or a problem or you're broken, God, I hate that. Um, <laughs> instead it's like, okay, well, why? What is that? What is that about the body trying to tell you? And, you know, in conventional medicine, and I want to, I just want to take a moment to honor that, like, hey, look, if you need acute medicine, there is nobody, nobody trained better than them. And I'm super grateful for the role that they fulfill. But a lot of times why I find that patients get really frustrated with their doctor or feel like they don't have a good relationship is because of the expectation mismatch. If you have a chronic condition or you you have something that needs some of this root cause goodness and you take it to someone with that is very well-trained in acute care, that's a mismatch there. And it's not that they're not a good doctor. It's just that their toolkit is limited and their algorithms like, are you going to die? Are you going to not die? Like, and that's a very important question. So, you know, I just want to frame it that conventional medicine, they're not bad. Okay. They have a role. They have a very important role, but they also have a very limited toolkit when it comes to women's medicine. And so that's part of their education. It's part of, you know, their ongoing education. And it's why, like, you know, I I always say like, if you, if you, you know, you've got like, you've got gallbladder disease, like you've got an acute issue going on. Like that's a good time to call your medical doctor. You need some root cause medicine. That's our arena. Like that's a good time to step into our arena because that's where we really thrive. And so from our perspective in naturopathic medicine and in functional medicine, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, some people, it's a little uh, bit confusing for people, you know, naturopathic medicine, I feel like that was just like the original, you know, starting place for all this root cause, but I also respect functional medicine and anyone that knows me, I'm, I'm the crazy lady that was like, I'm going to go to naturopathic medical school and then I'm going to go on to study functional medicine as well Mm -hmm. and continue that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I see them as, as great allies. And so I want to frame that like in both naturopathic and functional medicine, it's about that why and that root cause. And so when we're talking menstrual cycles, um, you know, this is something where I, I am very passionate about how much data we can get by you living in your body and tracking your period and tracking your menstrual cycles. Now, even ACOG, which is, you know, a conventional medical journal has said your period and your menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign. That means it's up there with blood pressure and temperature, you know, all these ways we make sure that like, you're not going to die and you don't have an infection, that your period is that important. And so, you know, when we look at a quote, normal menstrual cycle, and I say, I say it like that because it's not always 28 days and it's, it's not always the same for every woman, but typically, you know, what we find is that, so day one is going to be the first day you start your period. Most women are going to have a period. It can be three to seven days in length. It can, there can be some spotting on the front side or on the tail end. Um, but all of that data that's going on during your period is really helpful. So like the color of your menstrual blood, the quality of the menstrual blood, like is there clots, um, cramping, the level of cramping, what happens to your bowels? That's the other thing naturopaths do super well (laughs) is that we're like, okay, I don't. and, And that's the other thing is that I think that I would have been really bored if I was like practicing medicine in a very compartmentalized way. I actually don't even think that way. Like I can't help but piece everything together. And so, you know, we're looking at, okay, tell me about your periods, but also tell me about your mood. Tell me about your gut. Did you have heart palpitations? All these kinds of things that are going on with your hormones can give us great data about, you know, your entire, like your health overall. And then also understanding the length of the menstrual cycle. Is it irregular? Is it 21 days? Is it 28 days? Is it 35 days? Is it sometimes 35 and sometimes 60? Like this is really good information to have, not to mention the mood symptoms. And so, you know, for any woman that's listening, I just want you to know that you are walking around with data that no lab test, physical exam, or doctor can get without you, which is why your story and you taking ownership to track your symptoms is so, so important, right? I mean, you know, we we can run a day three hormone panel. We can run a day 21 hormone panel, but what's going on in between that? Like, how are you feeling? And 
as you know, you know, and I'm sure your listeners know, labs do not always match up to the human experience because they're one snapshot in time. And so we have to, to me, I'm like, if your doctor doesn't know how to interpret your labs in the context of your story, you aren't really going to get any of that root cause business because that's what it takes to really unearth what's going on deeper. Does that all make sense? Absolutely. And you have so much, you know, great information. And I just want to echo the, um, you know, the whole um, spectrum of health. I'm really glad that you, you know, share that, you know, there's a place for naturopathic medicine and functional medicine, and there's a place for our conventional, um, you know, colleagues as well. And, you know, I think where we're going to change medicine is when we um, have more of a conversation and we can kind of um, really recognize where our strengths are. And so, um, so no, thank you for bringing that up, Jolene. And then, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, this piece about the fifth vital sign, I've never, you know, quite heard our menstrual cycle um, said like that. And I agree. I mean, I always think it's a barometer and, you know, um, our bodies and we need to listen. And so how do you recommend tracking? Um, you know, there's so many apps and, you know, charts and things out there. Can you go through kind of how you um, guide people to track their cycle and their symptoms? Yeah. So I am lazy. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny is whenever I say that, people are like, "No, I've seen you work." Right? <laughs> like, I, I don't think I don't think lazy is a word to describe <laughs> you. You know, but <laughs> like I I love efficiency, and uh, I you know I can't mess around with paper calendars or paper like temperature charting or any of that because I will resent it. I'm like I don't have time for you. Mm-hmm. So um, you know you can go old school um, and totally just like do it on on paper in terms of marking the, for, I mean, at minimum, the first day you get your period and then the, the next period. I mean, that's at minimum getting like, what is your menstrual cycle on average? But you know, th- these days, I mean, there's so much femtech that, um, I mean, it's really incredible, like how much technology is coming out all in the name of helping women. And so, you know, when it comes to tracking your menstrual cycle, I definitely think it's very important that we get the first day of your period how long your period lasts, are you having clots in your menstrual blood, and what are your symptoms like around that? I also want to know, what does it look like the week before your period? And I, I love to say to my patients, like, hey, do you like want to like kill someone or run away to the woods and never be seen again or do all of the above? And you know, that's something that's very telling of progesterone and estrogen levels. And there's also you know paying attention to your mood throughout your menstrual cycle, tracking fertile cervical mucus. When does that come up? And do you have changes in your, you know, cervical fluid or, you know, your vaginal uh, discharge quality? I think that's really insightful. Certainly your mood. I mean, you can, uh, I've been doing this for a long time and women can just start telling me their mood. And I say, when is that in your cycle? And I can figure out which hormones are going on. And that's so much faster than a, um, than, than a lab test. And that's something that like in my clinical practice, I'm like, look, I want your symptoms gone yesterday. And I want to do the root cause work at the same time. Cause as a woman who's had hormone imbalance, I'm like, I do not have time to wait like three months for that root cause stuff to work because I'm losing my mind today. Um, and so that's, that's another thing I think we do really well is that we've got all kinds of things in our toolkits to like meet that person that's right there. So in terms of like femtech, so, you know, there's several, um, you know, products out there that can actually track your basal body temperature. I'm a big fan of fertility awareness method. Um, whether or not you want to make it your birth control method and, you know, your means of not getting pregnant, that's one thing. But as a doctor, I'm like, oh my gosh, if you're paying that close attention to your body, like you're going to provide me with so much like, useful information. And so, and it's so easy these days. I mean, I, you know, I remember the first time I wrote, read uh, Taking Charge of Your Fertility and I was like, uh, forget that noise. I cannot do that paper chart stuff every day. Um, and that's just real talks. Like I just just knew it wasn't going to fit for me. And now like I actually use the Daisy fertility monitor and there's also, you know, other ones out there. There's, you know, applicate. So there's other temperature, uh, you know, related apps. And there's also, you know, you can track all of these, um, you can track your temperature and input it into certain apps and your cervical mucus and do all of that. Um, there's also like wristbands you can wear. There's, uh, you know, actual like a vaginal suppository device that you can wear that that one can be really, really good for PCOS patients. And, um, and then the other thing, you know, as I'm really excited, I'm actually a medical advisor for the first data driven, um, app to offer 
women personalized birth control recommendations, and it's called TIA, T-I-A, and um, we basically are taking everything that lives in my brain in terms of like, what are the, what's the data we need from your, from like your body, and then what to do about it in real time, and like when to go see your doctor, and I, I actually love um, using the TIA app because I, it talks to me like a text message, um, and she's funny, um, <laughs> I like that. But it's also, uh, it's very like color coded and there's like, it's, it's very visual. And that's something that, you know, I found a lot of patients do well with is when there's something visual and there's a scale of how they can rate their symptoms and it's talking like non-doctor speak. And so, you know, that, that was part of why I, you know, I accepted that medical advisor position. Cause I was like, yes, you, you guys get it and you're doing good work. And so, you know, there's a lot of ways to leverage tech, but you don't have to always leverage tech. Like I. I, uh, in terms of like, you know, having special apps and there's a ton of period tracking apps out there these days. Um, a lot of my patients, they love clue. They love dot. That's just, you know, a couple of them, but then I have patients that just write it in their calendar. They just write it in their Google calendar. They write it in their Apple calendar, you know, and they just write, these were my symptoms. And, you know, what's nice about the, um, you know, the femtech is they'll prompt you when you had sex. And that's always helpful information too. <laughs> um, not from the perspective of like just getting pregnant. I think that's like, ladies, we got to stop limiting the conversation to be all about like just having babies. Like fertility is a sign of health, is a sign of vitality. You want to be as fertile as long as possible because then you have progesterone and progesterone makes you love your life and it's just wonderful. Um, but also understanding like when do I actually want to have sex? Like that's really telling as well. And that's a great conversation. Like, you know, and men, they don't always get us and, and that's okay. Like, I mean, you know, most women don't get like what's going on in their bodies because no one's really talking about it. We're not getting taught about it. And, that, and that's why we're having these conversations. But, you know, to help your partner understand that like, yeah, it's not you, it's me. I'm only into sex during this window because it's right before I'm ovulating and that's how my hormones are running. And so to understand like, when is it a good time to get a babysitter and have a date and like, you know, kind of do all these things. Cause like, you know, sex and orgasms are really, really important for women's health. And that's something that like, sometimes like I'm a mom, you're about to be a mom. Oh, uh, well, you, you're going to learn. Uh, <laughs> you got you to figure this Gotta have some planning sometimes if you actually want to like get busy with your partner because kids are definitely really, really good forms of birth control. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have a lot to learn ahead of me, don't I, Jolene? But um... oh my god, it's like, and you know what? Read all the books, and, and you know, I, I, I just love saying like, make all your plans and plan on doing none of them because that child's gonna teach you a whole lot more about life than you're ever gonna teach them. <laughs> I have a feeling that's what I've signed up for, you know, absolutely. And, you know, now, I mean, as you're just sharing, it's like, um, there's so much, there are so many tools at our fingertips now to get this data. And this data obviously, um, become, you know, creates self-awareness and, you know, allows us to understand our bodies more, but it also allows us to inform, you know, our doctors, um, more, uh, especially doctors, um, like you. And so, um, so let's kind of, kind of transition to talking about, um, obviously we're all for, um, looking at the root cause of any hormonal imbalance and that obviously can show up in your menstrual cycle. And so not settling, you know, for, Oh, I can't, you know, participate in my life one week out of the year because I feel awful or I have cramps. There's, there's something that, that we need to address. Um, and that we have people like, um, you or other naturopathic physicians or functional medicine doctors can help you to dive deep to understand where there are imbalances in your body. And, um, if you decide to use birth control, hormonal birth control, that's one option, but knowing that that's not going to solve the problem, um, you know, likely. And so, um, so that's obviously something that I, I think it's really important that we're getting across and then, you know, transitioning now to really, um, your clinical practice and helping people, um, get off of the birth control pill and reestablishing rhythm and balance in their body because of the side effects from the birth control pill. So can you walk us through, um, you know, that, what, you know, um, so far about that? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think we should back up and, you know, I should define post-birth control syndrome. So, 
post birth control syndrome, as I've defined it, is a you know a constellation of symptoms. That's really what a syndrome is: is that it's a constellation of symptoms. Sometimes you have all of them. Sometimes you have some of them. And it really we see it coming up within the first six months of coming off of birth control. And so for some women, it's as soon as the next cycle. On average, it's usually like you know three to four you know to six months after stopping it. And you know that can be as drastic as it was for me, totally losing. Your period. So I lost my period because I was no longer ovulating. That's a really big problem, especially when you're in your 20s. Um, or it can be, you know, as benign as acne and hair loss. Now, no, uh, no woman is like acne and hair loss is benign. Look, you're not going to die from it. So I'm going to say that. Um, but it, you know, it, it's definitely a sign and it's very, very uncomfortable. And so, you know, I just want to be clear that like, you know, while in medicine, we're like, okay, your skin and your hair is really important, but your heart is really, really important. Your liver is really, really important. And so, you know, with post birth control syndrome, um, I've seen some people out there saying like, oh, it's just the return of um, your symptoms that you had before. That's not correct. Okay. So I just want to clear that up. Um, and hopefully those people are listening, they can correct that. So yes, if you had symptoms, so if you got on hormones because you had acne, you had irregular periods, you had really painful periods, we can expect those to come back and sometimes with vengeance. But in post-birth control syndrome, we also see new symptoms. And those are things that they were probably developing while you were on these hormones. Um, and you just either, you maybe you weren't paying attention or it was it took like actually having that full withdrawal from the hormones for them, for basically the way I see it, for your body to really start talking to you. And so, you know, that again, I mean, <clears throat> like for me, like for my friend, like for many women I've seen, they never had irregular periods. Now suddenly they do. Um, we also see things with like inflammation, uh, gut dysbiosis. It definitely, I mean, the pill causes leaky gut. So come on, like we know, we know what goes with leaky gut. And so, you know, the thing I, you know, also like to frame is that with post birth control syndrome, you know, side effects come up while you're on the, on these hormones. And, you know, some of the really big ones are mood disorders and they don't necessarily just go away just because you stop them. And in my clinical experience, I've seen that like if any woman's ever been on hormonal contraceptives, if she has not done the work to heal like full body system healing, then like there's still going to be residual issues with this. And so with post-birth control syndrome, you know, the first thing I want to say is that for, for everyone getting freaked out, uh, it doesn't <laughs> have to be that bad. Okay. Um, and so, you know, what I say to women is like, look, if you started hormonal contraceptives because your period was like wicked painful, or, you know, you were just having bleeding for like eight to 10 days. So menorrhage as we know it, or, you know, you had, um, you had severe acne, you're going to want to prep before you get off that pill. And that's something that I do in my online programs. And so I have the birth control hormone reset and that's really for women. Like it's a five week reset on all of that. Like you just got off and you need, you need to get help quick or maybe you've already come off and you're having issues. Let's get you some help quick or you need to stay on it. Let's lay some foundational work. And so, you know, with that, I say, give yourself like a good three months to prep your body to transition off. And that's going to require dietary changes, lifestyle changes, and supplementation. And there is no way around the supplementation because here's the deal. These hormones are inflammatory they deplete nutrients like crazy. They wreck your gut so you can't absorb things. You can, I have like, I have tried so many times because you know, you know how we are as naturopaths. We're always like, let's do the diet and lifestyle piece so well and do that first. But you know what? I tried for a long time with women and I have found you can't, you cannot out diet that these hormones, mm -hmm. you have to add on supplementation. And especially when you couple it, like, oh my God, I shudder. Like, oh my gosh, like teenage me on birth control pill going through the dry through uh fast food no what was i doing um because like that's very that, there's no nutrients there as we know but our food supply is also being depleted and hello environmental toxins which i know is like totally your arena like environmental toxins like crazy and then you add in this big environmental toxin which is known as hormonal contraceptives like girl you're gonna need some supplements to overcome that so mm -hmm. 
With that, now listen, if you're already off and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm already off and I'm having all these problems, you can go grab my my post-birth control syndrome diet. It's a, you know, it's drbrighton.com slash PBCS diet. And you can grab that. That's the quick, like, okay, here's the first thing to do right now, which is making a dietary shift that's going to improve. I'm not, I, I don't like to go down the road of like, let's take everything away. I like to be like, let's bring in so much good stuff. There is no room for that other stuff. Like, but let's feed you and then let's get you through a liver detox because that's the thing I've seen will move the needle the fastest for women and get them symptom relief. And the reason for that is because these hormones have to be processed by the liver. You, they, they beat on your liver pretty hard. And so if you can refuel them, and the thing about doctor grade um, or you know professional grade detox supplements is they're loaded with antioxidants and everything that these hormones are depleting. So it's like a quick rush of like replenish nutrients and also love up your liver like crazy so it can do its job. And that's like part of the secret sauce of really like getting hormonal balance overall, but also getting off of these hormones altogether. Does that all make sense what I'm saying with that? Absolutely. And I think um, that's a great point that, you know, there's two things happening, you know, with the birth control pill. So if you haven't, if you've, um, mask or unresolved issues that, um, prior to going on birth control, but, um, that they're going to come back. And then there's just this general, uh, picture of depletion and, um, stress, uh, especially in the liver that the birth control does. Um, so, or, you know, puts on the body. And so you have to recover from that as well. And so I'm sure some people are thinking, you know, okay, they're maybe not ready to go off with the birth control pill, or maybe they're just contemplating this decision. So before we dive more into your, um, you know, just some more wisdom around um, how you trans transition people um, back to health after um, being off of the birth control pill, what can people do? Like, what are a couple like quick pearls that people can do while they're still taking hormonal contraceptives? Totally. So <clears throat> let me first say to all the ladies listening, I do not want a generation of Brighton babies. So if you're <laughs> going to come off these hormones, you best have a backup method. And because even if you do want to have a baby, you should give yourself a good six months to rebuild your nutrient stores, to get your mitochondria and your gut health right. So, you know, if you're still on um, birth control, and this is something I'm very passionate about, I don't like the idea of your doctor telling you what to do. And I don't know your life. I don't know what your needs are. And like for me, the birth control pill made the most sense for me to be able to go to school, to be able to graduate college. And here's what I wish my doctor would have told me. Mm. So one is get yourself, if you're still bleeding and having a period, that is get yourself on a prenatal. And the reason why I like a prenatal over a multivitamin is it's going to have some more iron, but it also is, I mean, a prenatal is designed to feed you and to help you grow a small human. So if you're taking a medication that's depleting nutrients like crazy, that prenatal is going to have your back in that. So definitely replenishing nutrient stores. That's something you can do on your own. Now, the other thing is that you're going to want to be taking a quality probiotic and you're going to want to be feeding your microbiome. So that you're going to have to be eating foods that are going to encourage a healthy gut. Um, and you're going to need probiotics because it's disrupting your, your normal flora. So the microbiota shifts in the gut while you're on these hormones. And then the other thing is you're going to need to work with a doctor. And why I say that, and, and I think this is a really important point is that this is a medication and you can choose to take it or not, but no one but a licensed practitioner can advise you on this medication. And I say that because I've definitely seen some, I've seen some non-licensed individuals uh, hand out some scary advice in writing to my patients and they bring it into me and I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> you need, it's a medication. So only the, only the people who are trained to prescribe it, which are only the people who can prescribe it, can really advise you on what to do with that medication or alternatives to that medication. And that's not to say that like, that I'm not discrediting or devaluing anybody else out there that's in the, in the health space. It's just to understand that like, because these hormones have become just so ubiquitous and they get like passed out like candy, like, you know, just mm -hmm. <laughs> sort of phrase there with that. We, we often forget that they are a medication. And so sorry, Dr. Google, you, you do not qualify um, to <laughs> advise on a medication. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that it's all about the individual, right? And that's what we, that's really what I come to each conversation with my patients with is that, okay, you're sitting in front of me 
I want to understand your symptoms and I want to run lab testing as well. And that's something that doctors are trained in. They're trained to order and interpret these labs in a way that they can see, are you in big, scary trouble? And so for instance, you know, I, I have not seen yet a woman on hormonal contraceptives who doesn't have an elevated CRP. It's, it's ubiquitous. They're all inflamed. Um, the other thing too, is that we can be running, uh, you know, panels on cardiovascular markers. So if you're in my office and you're like, I want to stay on these hormones. I'm like, okay, well, first we're going to check if you're going to have a stroke. We're going to check if you're at risk for a heart attack. I'm going to be checking, you know, your electrolytes as well. So like some of these hormones, they actually, they mess with your potassium levels. That's That's a recipe for a heart attack or a stroke if you get it wrong. So, you know, a doctor can work with you on that. And this is something I'll say, when things get scary, this is where conventional medicine comes in for a win. And why I always couple up, if I start seeing things that are just not, I'm like, mm, that's not looking right. I get them over to a cardiologist and we're tag teaming this, uh, you know, this uh, patient's care to, because they bring a different strength to the table. And, you know, the same is true. Like, as, and, and as you know, like there's other, we look at things, you know, we look at lab testing really from like what is optimal, but there's other things you can be looking at with dysfunction. So things like stool cultures and gallbladder health and, and, you know, neurotransmitter metabolites. And this is really important to have that physical exam. So I, I really believe we still need to maintain the art of a physical exam. It is not enough just to run lab tests. You got to touch people. You got to listen to them. I can't tell you how many times labs come back and they're all normal. And then somebody's got like a, you know, prominent nodule on their thyroid. And I'm like, well, that's <laughs> something, isn't it? Um, <laughs> So having that physical exam with your doctor, you know, with PAPs, we, uh, with pap smears, that is, you know, now the recommendations have changed. Thank goodness for that. But some women are not visiting their doctor, but once every three years and ladies, there's a whole lot more that goes on into your, your, your annual yearly than just a pap collection. Like that's where we listen to your heart. It's where we touch your thyroid. That's where we monitor you and make sure that everything's going okay. Because it's so much easier to course correct when that, you know, you start to get off the track before you're just completely de derailed. Um, and so with that, you know, it's, I think if you're staying on these hormones, it's really important to make sure that you're partnering up with a doctor and, you know, somebody who gets like, okay, I got to look at this whole person who's going to run the labs and who's going to be supporting you with your diet and your lifestyle practices. And then keep in mind that if you are popping a pill, placing a patch, have an IUD, those are, those can be considered, you know, somewhat of an environmental toxin, right? I mean, we talk about xenoestrogens all the time. Now you're taking synthetic hormones. If you're on synthetic hormones, you have less of the grace, you know, when it comes to what you're putting on your face, what you're cleaning your house with like all of that. And so that's something I'm sure you have an episode you can direct them to in terms of environmental <laughs> toxins and environmental health. But mm -hmm. again, it's all about that whole person. But you know, for women listening, you know, really powerful things you can do, get yourself on a prenatal, get yourself on a probiotic, get a whole foods diet going, start eating some turmeric, some ginger, get healthy fats, all of these anti-inflammatory foods going, and then make sure that you're monitoring your symptoms. And if at any point you're like, hold up, this is not right in my body, that is worth a, a trip to your doctor to have a conversation about. Because all that matters is what's normal for you and what's not normal for you. And as doctors, we can can't tell that we don't know that unless you tell us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I um I think that's such great advice, and I think um you know empowering that we you if you're still in kind of a state of indecision about what you want to do. Um, you know, you can be proactive while you're still on the pill to uh, lessen uh, the effects on your body. And I guess um, you kind of covered this, but a, a lot of, um, you know, people may wonder, like, maybe they're not ready to uh, transition off of um, hormonal birth control completely. Um, and they're looking at potentially doing an IUD, like I know there's copper and um, progestin IUDs. Can you just comment your, like your opinion, like about um, IUDs in general? Because I think there's more and more awareness around them. But I still think that, um, you know, people don't understand that as an option as well. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really funny, because whenever I start talking, like, let me say this to everybody <laughs> listening, 
everybody's got an opinion on your body and it's really none of their business. Um, and what, what works for you is not what it's not necessarily going to be what works for your best friend or works for your mom or works for your sister or works for anyone else. So all that matters is, does it work for you? And why I say that is because when I start talking about IUDs, like especially the copper IUD, there seems to be this big backlash that happens because in the biggest thing that people will say is that copper IUDs are going to cause copper toxicity and they can, but they don't always. And that's not true for every woman. And so, um, I actually had a copper IUD. It's a really funny story because, um, this is, I was a vegetarian. So, oh my God. Yeah. So couple (laughs) that. So ladies, I was on the pill and I was a vegetarian. I'm not hating on vegetarians, but hello B12. (laughs) That I needed. Um, and I was like, I was, I was, I was a good little nutritionist. I was eating my six servings of like gluten a day. Oh my God. Oh, the things I would tell my 20 something self, uh, (laughs) you know, I, so the funny thing is I got my period back and then I was like, and then I met, uh, well, I, I, yeah, I think, you know, the story that's like a podcast for another day of how my husband and I and the pill and all that came to be. But, um, I, you know, he, I didn't want a baby and I, uh, I, I actually never wanted a baby my entire life until I got off birth control, which is kind of a trip. Um, Mm. and then I got a copper IUD and what's so funny is that I got my periods back like after, um, after the pill and they were heavy. They came back heavy. The pain came back. I was taking cramp bark. I was doing all this stuff. And then I got a copper IUD. And, uh, and that's a contraindication ladies, in case you're wondering if you have heavy, painful periods, that copper Mm -hmm. IUD is not for you. But I was like, I don't even care. I'm going to deal with it because I do not want to have a baby. And I didn't want to be back on hormones. I was scared. I was like, wait a minute. Like this, this messed me up bad. I don't want to get back on these. And so, you know, the, the story I want to tell here is that when, uh, the week before I got my IUD, one of my really close friends went and got hers and she rode the bus, um, to Planned Parenthood, got her IUD. By the way, I love Planned Parenthood for IUDs. Um, because this is all they do all day, every day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they know how to place an IUD people. Um, (laughs) So my friend rides the bus. She gets her IUD. She rides the bus back home and, uh, you know, she walks for like a couple miles and she's like, oh, I was totally fine. Didn't even miss a beat. And I'm like, okay, I got this. And, um, I still made my little tincture like Valerian and Shisandra and all this stuff to be chill in the moment. It was <laughs> pain having that IUD placed. I did not get up and walk easily after that procedure. In fact, I was, I was hugging a water bottle. I was like having PTSD from like, uh, you know, Menarche from when I started my period. And, um, it was, it was painful for me and every period was painful and I was already having heavy periods. So it got worse. Um, you'll appreciate this. Uh, I then got a ferritin test done and I was at three. Oh my gosh. And uh, so for everyone mm. listening, that really should be like 90. Um, unless <laughs> is bad news, but I was at three. And I remember, you know, uh, and like mad props to, to my naturopathic physician who was like, well, I want to respect your diet and I just want you to supplement with iron. And I was like, look, this is like the situation where I'm a vegetarian, I'm iron deficient, my, my diet's not meeting my needs, and I've always been a food as medicine person. And it was not easy to transition off of being a vegetarian because that was like my identity and my ego was always like squawking. Um, <laughs> was, my diet wasn't serving me anymore. And that's, that was such a good lesson for me because it really helped me realize that diets are not static. There is no one right diet for everyone and there is no one right diet for your life. And so I transitioned and I did supplement, but I also used my diet to, to build up. And I remember my doctor was like, wait, you're really going to just stop being a vegetarian. I'm like, what I'm hearing is my body has a need and my diet's not meeting that need. And I, I've been trying to meet that need, but I was, I was bleeding so heavily. I still, I still hung with the copper AED. Um, that was my long winded story to talk about. No birth control without a risk. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I just want everybody listening to understand that every single means to prevent having a baby has a risk. Fertility awareness method has the risk of getting pregnant. Okay. So that's. Mm -hmm. And so with IUDs, there's always the big scary ones that come up and that is like expulsion. So your uterus kicks it out or perforation. It like actually embeds into your uterus. And yes, these are very scary, but they're, they're not likely to occur in most women. But again, this is why to get down and, you know, into the nitty gritty conversation with your doctor, because, you know, if you're, if you're postpartum, for example, some of these risks can be higher for you. Um, if you already have like had a risk of, or you've already had expulsion, 
propulsion, it's probably going to happen again. And so, you know, it's, um, it's definitely something to be aware of as like, you know, and, and I say that, you know, as well with like a lot of times when doctors talk about these things, sure, like this is a, a, is a low risk, but they should still talk to you that the risk is there because, you know, I think about it with like birth control and cancer and how often the studies are like, yeah, well, there's a moderate increased risk. It's really mild. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal until you're the one, until your number is up, then it's a really big deal. It's not just about the risk, but it's like, what is that risk? And that's not something to mess around with. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, and with that, you know, what comes to mind is that you know, with, uh, you know, with progestin based IUDs. Now this is something I remember the first woman sitting in my office who was like, I'm losing my mind. And it has only happened since I had my Marina placed. And she's Mm like, I've had seen three doctors. They've all told me I'm crazy. Like, do you think I'm crazy? And I'm like, look, if, if you're telling me this is what happened, then like, who am I to call you a liar? Like, I, I don't think you're crazy. Let's look into that. And then, um, you know, she had her marina removed and it didn't just go away. We had to work on some of that. But I have seen women that like once that IUDs pulled, there's this like level of anxiety that just drops. So mm-hmm. we do know that these progestin now progestin is not the same as progesterone. And if you are a nerd and you like to read studies, you better be reading what they're using in these studies because I can't even tell you, I could roll my eyes right now, how many times the studies like progesterone so bad and then you get into it and like, oh, progestin. That is not the same thing. Like, quit that. <laughs> it is not the same thing as progesterone. Your progesterone is lovely. It loves up your cells. It loves up your brain. Progestin, not so much, but it's really good at blocking you from having a baby. So, you know, the thing with these progestins is that they are linked with, uh, you know, the depression, you know, there's depression risk with them. Um, there's also risk of breast cancer, as we were talking about. And so, you know, there's been a study that showed that there's about a 20% increased risk of breast cancer when women were using hormonal birth control. And so, you know, it's, it is something that it's worth having conversation around because if you already have a family history or as we go back, you have a high environmental toxin exposure. How about you live near a super fun site or you ever have been? It's like a toxic wasteland. Like these are things your doctor should be considering. Again, individualized PARQ. And that's all I want to see in medicine so, so bad is it is like a true informed consent given to every woman. So there are women that, you know, get these hormonal IUDs and they actually don't have like these, you know, side effects that I'm outlining. So I I do want to acknowledge that. And, you know, there is now the Skyla on the market. So just let me say, uh, Marina has about 50 milligrams of progestin in it. And that, and the, and it's not that that gets released right away. It gets kind of dripped out over time. And the Skyla, which is one of the newer ones that has the lowest amount of progestin. And so sometimes it works for women to like to, to, to like basically downgrade to like the lower progestin maybe it's not a downgrade so much as just switch swapping it out and sometimes it doesn't work at all it's all about you know what's going on in your body but you know for the most part what we're seeing is a big trend in you know women are no longer wanting to use hormonal birth control and um and so that's where the conversation around copper IUDs come up a lot more so when we talk non hormonal birth control there's copper IUDs um again you know that can have the heavy painful periods which you know with the um the marina and these other hormonal IUDs that can be unpredictable unrealistic like expectations for a period ever showing back up like um you you know, there's all kinds of period problems that can come up with copper IUD. So it's always good to be tracking your symptoms. And then, um, you know, the other thing with the uh, copper IUDs to consider is that if you do have like a genetic condition like Wilson's disease, then Um, There's been research studies to say, look, if you've got anything where like copper can accumulate in your body, it's it's not a good idea to get a copper IUD. And um, so that's that's a little bit about the you know copper IUDs uh, there. Does that make sense? Do I leave any questions for you on that? No, that's great. And I just want people to kind of have that whole range of spectrum. And as you're saying, um, you know, there's this movement where people want, you know, non-hormonal birth control. um, But, you know, we always have to, I think you and I are both um, definitely wanting our, our message to be informed consent and understanding the risk benefit. And, you know, when you are um, at a place in your life, you know, where you cannot, um, it's not probably in your highest interest to start a family and um, really making sure that you um, have all the tools and resources so you can be empowered with your decision. So I I think um, you covered so much, Jolene, and I feel um, 
you know, one of the things, I mean, I feel like as we're wrapping up, I know that you are putting a lot of great information um, online about post-birth control syndrome. And so how can people find more about, you know, um, what they can do before they work with a provider um, like yourself um, to really um, manage uh, the syndrome? Yeah. So you can go to drbrighton.com. Um, my last name's Brighton like the sun. So D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N. Um, and I'm really excited. I've got a ton of, you know, free resources on there, but I'm really excited is that, you know, we have launched, um, the first doctor designed, uh, post-birth control syndrome protocols to be like, you know, done on your own. And, um, I'm really excited about this. We have our birth control hormone reset, which is a five week program. And that's for ladies, like I was saying, like, you got to get help quick, or maybe you want to stay on these things. And then I also have my post birth control RX program, which is is a 12 week program in my clinical practice. If you're working with me one on one, I usually tell women it's, it's going to take like a good six months of us working together um, to really heal this. But you know, within the 12 week program, how I designed both of these programs, so what's, what I'm just so excited because this is like everything that I've been doing in my clinical practice and researching, and I'm finally bringing it to a place where I can help educate more women and really empower them to take the reins of their health, really take back their period and be able to have a conversation with their doctor. But they've also designed these so that women can continue you know, doing the things that they learned in them um, so that they, you know, it's something that uh, I, I just had a gal that came out of my five week program and I, we were just ch- uh, chatting in our, uh, we have a whole community where we su- support all the women doing this because we really need like a safe place. And honestly, community is really one of that things missing in medicine in terms of like helping women heal. But we were chatting and, you know, she was telling me, so within like a few days, like she was feeling a lot better and she was still on these hormones. She's continued everything that she's been doing. And now she's successfully transitioned off of the pill. She's having like the best period she's ever had in her life. And so it's really, it just excites me to see how many women are discovering their body, how to work with their hormones, and then being able to implement these protocols and really, you know, stick with them in a more individualized way. And I'll tell you, as you know, that getting like doing this on an individualized level is no, it's a no joke undertaking, like in terms of like, I mean, we've been, we've been working in my clinic, like for, for a while now to really find, get this refined and really in a place where you can do this, like you can do this and understand how to do this for like meeting your own specific needs. Mm-hmm. I love that. I know that um, so many people listening to this probably want to work with you one on one, but obviously, um, you know, time and energy and that's not, you know, possible. So it's so great that you're able to really reach a lot of people, you know, um, putting all of this in a program with a lot of support and guidance. So I, I, I'm so glad you uh, created that. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing we we came to recognize when women started reaching out and they're like, how can I find another doctor that's trained in this? And I'm like, well, that's a, that's a tricky thing because I wasn't trained in it in medical school. They don't talk about it in medical school. And like, you're hard pressed to find a doctor that has a background in nutritional biochemistry, studied naturopathic medicine, went on to study functional medicine, and then like put all this together with PubMed research. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a situation when I came to recognize that I'm like, and you know, my, my practice was filling up with all these women. And it's something that like, I can't in good conscience go out there and be shouting to the rooftop that there's a problem without also providing us. I mean, I have a solution. I need to help women and I need to help give them that solution. And so, um, that's something I'm, I'm really excited about is having like, I feel like I crack the code in a way on that of like, how do you take like all this root cause individualized goodness and wrap it up in a go at your own pace kind of program where again, like, you know, how does Dr. Brighton roll? Uh, she, she likes to do things that are like as efficient and as lazy as possible. That means like, I want to be in my yoga pants learning about this. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So Jolene, is there anything else, any last words of wisdom, you know, that you want to um, share with our audience? I mean, you gave us so many great nuggets and uh, resources um, to go beyond, um, you know, this conversation, but any last words of wisdom? You know, I think the biggest thing that all of us women, and I, I say this as a woman need to understand, is that we're the only ones who knows what normal is. And so for a very long time in medicine, we have, you know, done what we're told and, um, 
really we've, we've been dismissed and disempowered in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I really want women listening to understand that you are the only one who knows what normal is. And if you feel like something's not normal in your body, then you need to investigate that. And you need to also, you know, take the reins in your health. That doesn't mean, you know, steamrolling your provider. It means that you've got to be an active participant because your doctor can't hold your hand in the grocery store. And, you know, your doctor is not going to be there every time you get stressed out. But you can be tracking data and you can be implementing diet and lifestyle therapies that can really move the needle in your health. But the biggest thing is find somebody you can partner with who respects and understands that your story has value. Love it. Love it. And thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. And it's just been so fun for me to hear, you know, your passion and your work. And I've just really enjoyed um, getting to know you not only as a colleague, but as a friend. So thank you, Jolene. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. And uh, yeah, I, I hope we get to see each other again soon. Absolutely. This baby's going to, you know, change some plans, but I'm sure we're going to see each other sooner than later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> Thanks, Jolene. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Jolene Brighton. And if you want to learn more about Dr. Brighton's work, please check out the links below. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation.